So as Spencer mentioned in the prayer, as Pastor Eric said last week, and as Ruthann has alluded to also, uh, we start a new series this week, a new series that brings us into the season of Lent, realizing this is a awkward Sunday in a sense of we finished the last series, Lent isn't quite started until Wednesday, uh, and so this is an intro into kind of what we are hoping to do as a congregation over uh, the next several weeks of Lent. And to do that, to kind of set the stage to, to get us thinking about creating space for God, we're going to look at what God's Word says in Matthew 11. And we're starting at verse 25, and so I'd encourage you at home to find a Bible and to keep it open as we jump around through these verses a bit. And here, if you have a, a cell phone uh, with your Bible on it, or if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open it up and to follow along. But in Matthew 11, verse 25, we hear this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. And I think it's easy in a passage like this to say thanks be to God when you hear about weary and burdened and finding rest. And as we start this series on creating space to find that rest, we look at a number of different things. And one of the first things we look at is revisiting our residual relationships. If you were here for any part of the last series, we looked at beautiful, messy relationships. And consistently throughout that, Pastor Eric and myself pointed to our relationship with Jesus as the relationship that kind of sets the scene, sets the bar, and influences the rest of our relationship. And we referred to, referred to that as a residual relationship. There's that trickle-down effect of that relationship into our other ones. And so that's where we get our lead. And as we look at creating space for God, as we think about our relationships with others, this series we want to look at, well, if that relationship with Jesus is what influences the rest, then that relationship with Jesus needs to be a focus. And that relationship with Jesus doesn't just happen all on its own. And so we look this week and next and the following at spiritual disciplines about creating space for growth in a relationship with Jesus that then impacts all those other relationships. And we do that as part of a series in Lent. And I had to look up again this week just to be very clear that I knew what Lent and the definition was, but Lent is the 40 days before Easter. 40 days as we reflect on a couple different things leading to the death and the resurrection of Jesus, a monumental event in our Christian community and in the world, to be honest. And so 40 days first to reflect on and confess our shortcomings and our sins as we make our way 
to that event on the cross. And then 40 days to also reflect on and anticipate the work that Jesus does on the cross. Work that sets us free. Work that also creates space for that relationship. And traditionally, the practice of Lent, during Lent, people have often fasted over the years. And maybe you haven't fasted, but Lent has often been a time for many of us to maybe give up something for the 40 days. Maybe you're giving up chocolate, or giving up drinking, or giving up, name any number of things that we might give up during Lent. And that has been a practice that has brought people into that space of reflecting. Because if I want to eat chocolate and I said I've given it up, every time I get that urge, I'm like, well, why did I give that up? And that brings you into that space of reflection. And that's been the practice of Lent. And that's a good practice. And Pastor Eric and myself are going to suggest that we do take on practices during this Lent series. And so look in your emails for a blog that I'm told is coming out later this week about what it means and the invitation to jump into some actions within Lent. And there's a service on Wednesday. It will be here in this building. I don't believe it's live streamed. But Ash Wednesday, starting us out on that journey. And you're invited to come for that as well. And as we think about those practices, I put stopping, stopping times two behind me. And what I mean by that is as we think of these practices, first I want us to stop thinking about just stopping. Lent is about more than just giving something up. Lent and the spiritual disciplines aren't just about stopping, they're also about starting. And so as we look at spiritual disciplines, it's not about just stopping something and letting it go. We're also going to look at what can we take on? What places can we create? And the other part of stopping, stopping is our hope is that Lent is not just going to be 40 days where we give something up and at the end of the 40 days, we're like, whew, we did that. We can go back to what we did before. Our hope is that as we create spiritual disciplines of letting go and of taking on, that those spiritual disciplines don't stop after 40 days, but they continue. And this becomes part of a rhythm of our lives. And so that's the hope in this series. And as we look at creating space, we look at Matthew 11 this morning. And to really understand what's going on here, we have to look at the context. Because verses can't be just pulled out and this is the word of the Lord and nothing else around it is. So we have to understand when and where is Jesus saying this. If you've read through Matthew at all, you might remember Jesus does the Sermon on the Mount, talks about the Beatitudes, talks about his kingdom. Jesus walks throughout the countryside doing miracles, whether that's healing or turning water to wine or casting out demons. Jesus has created a scene in a lot of places and a lot of people have come to him. A couple chapters before what we read here, Jesus sends out his disciples and says, hey, I'm sending you out to the people and it's going to be hard and there's going to be problems on the way and there's going to be resistance. And then right before what we read, we see some of that resistance. And some of that resistance comes from John the Baptist, someone who is supposed to prepare the way for the Messiah. And John the Baptist looks at Jesus, looks at what he's doing and says, you're not quite what I expected you to be. Are you the one we were waiting for? 
And then the Pharisees do the same thing. These wise and learned people who thought they knew what the Messiah should look like, they say, are you really that person? And then all those towns and all those people where Jesus did miracles right in front of them, they're also questioning, hey, this isn't quite what we thought it would look like. And so in the midst of these expectations of the people versus the reality of who Jesus was, Jesus says these words that we read today. And first, right before this, Jesus denounced a bunch of those cities and says, woe to you. You're not getting it. I've done all these things in your presence. You're not seeing it. Why not? And so it's in that context then that we get what Jesus is saying. When Jesus prays to his father about the people around him and says, I praise you because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. And if we've read through Matthew, we realize who the wise and learned are. The wise and learned are John the Baptist. The wise and learned are the Pharisees. The wise and learned are the people who are seeing these things, but saying, hey, we expected and read about and thought about something else. This isn't it. The wise and learned, Jesus is not saying there's anything against being wise. He's not saying there's anything against being well-educated. What Jesus is saying, and in the things I've read over the past couple weeks, Jesus is saying something against that self-sufficiency, that self-dependence, that I know what this looks like. I've got it figured out. And Jesus is saying, those are the very people who things are hidden from. In this case, John the Baptist, the Pharisees, the towns where Jesus did his work. And Jesus is saying, well, it's hidden from the people who think they have it figured out, Things are revealed to children. And it's not revealed to children because of how old they are, because of how uneducated they are. But it's revealed to children because children are dependent. Children are willing to sit and listen. Children aren't self-sufficient. Children need to sit and learn. They're limited. They're willing to be taught. And what Jesus is saying here is that this is a thing about posture. Me revealing myself, you understanding who I am, is about a posture of openness. Not a posture that says, I'm so wise and learned and have it figured out, and here's what it will look like. But a posture that says, I'm learning some things. I don't have it all figured out. But I'm ready, like a child, to sit and listen and be willing to learn some new things. And Jesus praises God that God is willing to reveal himself to people like that. And so we have a posture. We have a posture to follow, to look at a posture of openness. And if we have a posture of openness, we need to say, okay, what, what's happening with this openness? And we see Jesus saying that this openness, this posture of little children, is about knowing God. It's about God being revealed to his people. And first of all, we have to see what Jesus says here. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And to those, those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. As I read through a lot of stuff, it seems like theologians debate whether these are actually the words of Jesus or this is something that Matthew saw and understood himself. Because it's not often throughout Scripture that we have Jesus outright claiming to be the Messiah. 
outright saying, I am the Son of God, I am the one who reveals God. Usually it's people around him making this claim and seeing this. And we know this is truth, but Jesus comes straight out and says, to be able to see God, I have to be the one who reveals it. And so this creating space is creating space for Jesus, creating space for a Savior who can then reveal God, reveal more, reveal our a relationship that builds with him. Because we're not just creating space for some good teacher. We're not just creating space for some teachings that have some good moral value. Jesus says, you are creating space for me, the Son of God who reveals the Father. And in this space, Jesus says, I want to help you know me, and I want to help you know God more. And sure, God has left signs everywhere, all over creation. He has left signs in us, his image bearers, signs in scripture. But we need Jesus, and Jesus is saying this too, we need Jesus in order to really know the heart of God. We need Jesus to reveal that. And in order for Jesus to reveal that, we need to give him the space. We need to give him the attention. We need to create room for that revealing to happen. And that's what we're looking at in Lent. Through spiritual disciplines, one of the ways to create space for that relationship to grow. And so we go to the next verse. And we say, who is Jesus then calling in this? Because Jesus says, I am claiming to be God. I am the Son of God. I am the one who will reveal God to you. And I'm, this is the posture. As children, you come to me. And Jesus says, I'm calling you. And Jesus names some specific people. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary. And I don't know about you, but over this last week, this last month, these last years of a pandemic, I've felt weary. And weary has that action behind it. Weary is something you feel often after having done something. And so maybe it's all those things that you have to do. Maybe it's all the things that you are constantly keeping busy with. Maybe it's doing too much. Maybe it's trying too hard. But there's a weariness there, and Jesus says, you weary, come to me. And then Jesus says, you burdened come to me. And while weary has those active connotations, burdened is almost a passive thing. Burdened has that feeling of things that are placed on you. Maybe it's things placed on you by a spouse or children or a boss. Maybe it's things placed on you by yourself. Maybe it's the weight of the world and anxiety and stress in all the chaos that is happening. And you just feel that this isn't stuff I've done. This is just stuff that is placed on me, and it feels heavy. And Jesus says, come to me, you who are burdened as well. And I'm going to take a guess that we can probably all find ourselves somewhere in this continuum or this grouping of weary and burdened. And if you can't, that's okay. If you're in a good place and if you're feeling good coming to this service, I think that's important because Jesus is calling you too. But if you're in a good place, Jesus has that warning also of make sure you don't fall into the wise and learned group who thinks I'm in a good place, I've got everything good and figured out. 
Jesus wants to work with you in the good places, not just the weary and burdened people, but it's that posture of coming to Jesus and saying, I'm weary and I need you. I'm burdened and I need you. I'm doing great and things are going well and I still need you. Jesus calls you and the invitation is for all of us. And so we look at the invitation. That first part of the invitation, that part where Jesus just starts out and says, come to me. And I don't know about you, but in my thinking about this, I think that's the most important part of this invitation. We'll talk about the yoke and we'll talk about learning, but the first thing Jesus says is come to me. And the reason that's important is because if we're not there, we can't take a yoke. If we're not there, who are we learning from? And so the simple invitation and request from God, you weary, you burdened, come to me. And if that's all you need to hear today, then great. I'd say stop listening, but there's probably some other things you can hear still today too. But if you just need to hear that where you are, Jesus says, come to me, then hear that. And we will explore over Lent what that looks like. Because if you're, I don't know if it's how I was raised, the church I was part of, the family I was part of, I often skip the come to me part. And I jump right into the, okay, take a yoke and learn and do. Because I'm active. I want to do something. I want there to be some strategy, some pattern, some, okay, I can come to Jesus, great. But okay, there's a yoke and something I need to learn. And that's where my focus goes. And so if you're like me, I want to slow us down and just see the first come to me. Because if you skip that part, like I often have, and just go to the do, 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 I end up coming full circle to where I feel weary and burdened again, and need to again hear the invitation of, oh yeah, first it's coming to Jesus. First it's creating space, and then we can look along with Jesus what a yoke looks like and what learning looks like. Because when we start to look at it deeper, even if we are looking at the yoke, it's not just about burden. Although there is a paradox here, kind of a funny thing that Matthew is doing, he says, or that Jesus is doing and Matthew is saying through this writing, Jesus is saying, hey, are you burdened? Come to me. I've got another burden, a yoke for you. And it sounds like, Jesus, how does that make sense? So a yoke was for beasts of burden. I don't know if people use that phrase anymore. It's easy just to say oxen and donkey and those kind of things instead of beasts of burden. But a yoke was something that was placed on usually farm animals of some sort to lift things or to pull things or to carry things. Humans, and I've seen these in in picture books more than anything, humans who are going to a well with water might also have a yoke that's placed on them so they can have buckets hanging off to distribute the weight. But either way you look at it, a yoke on you is something about doing actions, and a yoke is something placed on you that might be heavy, that's for work. And so we see that and we say, Jesus, if we're already weary and burdened, why are we coming to you and you say you have another yoke for us? I feel like I have enough burdens. I would like to hear Jesus say, come to me and I will take your yoke. And then just leave it at that. Because that seems restful. But Jesus says that's not everything. 
me just taking that off of you. A spiritual discipline of just letting something go isn't all that Jesus is saying. He's saying there's something here for you as well. And to understand Jesus talking about yokes, Jesus is a rabbi with disciples following him, and he is teaching in the style of many other rabbis, and the rabbis at that time also talked about yokes. And we get a little closer to what Jesus is saying when we understand what they were saying also. Because a yoke was commonly used at, at, at that time to express a loyalty to God, especially through obedience to the Torah, to the law. And so rabbis, and the disciples would have heard other rabbis saying that, talked about this yoke of the law. This yoke of obedience to the law we read throughout the prophets it was something that was supposed to bring freedom and rest. And by no means is Jesus saying, cast off this yoke of the law because Jesus doesn't say those things. Jesus says, I haven't come to get rid of the law. I've come to fulfill it. And so this isn't just a releasing all this obedience to the law. Jesus is saying, there's a different way to understand this yoke. And it's taking my yoke. This yoke of the Torah that you hear rabbis talk about is supposed to bring freedom and rest, but for many of you, it's not because you're missing something within it, says Jesus. The rabbis might say, come to the Torah and it will give you rest. But Jesus is talking about a different kind of yoke. Jesus is saying, don't come to the Torah for rest. Come to a person. Do you see the language if you have your Bible open? Come to me, Jesus says. Take my yoke, Jesus says. Learn from me. It's a yoke. It's a yoke related to the law, but it's a yoke much more related to a person. And we can't go to the law to find rest. It's a place to start, but Jesus says, come to me. A passage that I have learned to love is in John 5, where Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. And Jesus commends the Pharisees for their involvement and their, their um, intrigue and their investment in the law. But Jesus says to the Pharisees that you search the scriptures diligently. You take this yoke of the Torah diligently because in it you think you are going to find rest and freedom. And then Jesus says, but you refuse to come to me. I'm the one who the scriptures are talking about, and you refuse to come to me. So as we talk about creating space, as we talk about this yoke of Jesus where a burden is easy and light, we talk about a person. We talk about creating space. And as we talk about this in the weeks to come, we talk about it as creating space through spiritual disciplines. And I want to make sure that before we even start to talk about disciplines next week, that we do not see the disciplines as another burden or as another yoke that we have to carry, another list of things we have to do. It's not about works. It's not about you do these because you have to do these. It's about creating space. It's not about the works themselves, but it's in the effort of creating space. And I think it's important to note that some of the spiritual disciplines really will not be your thing. And that is okay. Because spiritual disciplines aren't things that if you do this, this will happen. 
And it's not a everyone needs to fast because that's what Jesus says. For some of you, fasting will not be the way to grow a relationship with Jesus. And that's fine. And that's good to know because what are the different ways? I know lots of different people in relationships and what works for one couple might not work for another couple. And so if, if your significant other or if you have one friend who likes hiking and you just assume that everyone likes hiking and you have another friend or your spouse and you're like, let's go for a hike and it really doesn't go well, then you realize, okay, that's not the answer for everyone. And so we have to see it with the creating space. It's not about the works. It's not about everyone needs to do these things. It's about the creating space. Richard Foster, in his book, A Celebration of Discipline, which is a really good book and a really easy read, and one I would recommend, he has a, a great quote that talks about this works. There he says, the spiritual disciplines are God's means of grace by which we are enabled to bring our little self and place it before God as a living sacrifice. Having done this, have created that space, the disciplines have reached the end of what they can do. God then steps into our small offering and produces in us graces and virtues that we could hardly imagine. It's critical for us to understand, says Fosters, that the disciplines possess no moral righteousness of their own. They are not works righteousness. They are not what saves us, as it's sometimes said. The disciplines, disciplines simply place us, body, mind, and spirit before God. That's it. The rest of the process is up to God. The rest of the process is God's grace. So in the disciplines, in this call from Jesus that we read today, Jesus says, come to me, and then I will do the rest. Jesus says, fill or make this space and I will fill it. I think an awesome example of that is in the Old Testament after the Israelites were rescued from slavery in Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They're wandering around and, and God has led them there. But God says to Moses and the people, I want to dwell with you. And the way I'm going to do that is if you create a space and God gives them a lot of chapters of the Bible telling them what creating this space looks like. A tabernacle, a house, a place of worship. And when the people build that space, Jesus, God, enters that space in a spectacular event and says, I am here with you. And we see that again in the New Testament on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. A bunch of people in one place creating space and Jesus says, I will come. Maybe you've seen the movie Fields of Glory, if I'm getting the title right. The, the quote that I remember from it anyway is, if you build it, they will come. And I'm not saying that was talking about Jesus in any way, but Jesus is saying, if you create space, I will fill it. And so we do these disciplines. We talk about these disciplines. We explore what it means to create space. And we leave the outcome to God. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the outcomes. But we read, I will give you rest and you will find rest for your soul. And I don't want to spend a lot of time here other than the fact that when I read that, I just want to breathe deeply and sigh. 
I could use some rest. My soul could use some rest. I could use some of that space where Jesus enters in and I can discover what rest looks like. The thing is, I can't tell you what rest looks like because your relationship with Jesus is going to look different than mine. I don't know what rest looks like for you. Many days, I don't know what rest looks like for me. But that part, Jesus says, is up to him. We create the space, Jesus fills it, and then we explore what rest looks like in that. I'll give you one example for me um, of what it, it has looked like in the past. I was forced to do disciplines as a kid, and one of the things I was forced to do was not do any homework on Sundays. Maybe many of you grew up in that space also. That was hard for me. I'm a procrastinator. And so a big assignment that's due Monday, first of all, teachers should never do that, but a big assignment that's due Monday, Sunday sounds like the perfect day to do it. But I wasn't allowed. And so I would have to do it on Saturday and then get up early on Monday morning to do the rest of it. And I was forced into a spiritual discipline in this sense of, we'll call it fasting from homework on Sundays or, or a rest of sorts. And what happened as that went on was even if I had a big assignment due on Monday, all my stress and anxiety was gone on Sunday. Because eventually that pattern in my life led me to a point where Sunday wasn't even an option. And so Sunday became a space that was set apart. And it was funny how that happened for me. It was funny how that space for rest happened even when I got anxiety and stress on the Saturday about an assignment due Monday. When I woke up Sunday, I was like, I don't have to think about it because this space is for something else. And so that's what rest looked like for me. And this series is an invitation, an invitation from Jesus to come to him, an invitation from God to create space, an invitation several weeks in a row from myself and Pastor Eric to join us in the disciplines that we are exploring. It's an invitation for you to share with each other and share with us what rest looks like in these places. And the biggest part is it's an invitation from all of us to Jesus to come into the spaces that we are creating. I want to end with a quote from Augustine in his book, The Confessions, because I feel like this is what it comes down to. Augustine says, God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. It's an invitation to find your rest in Jesus an invitation to explore spiritual disciplines of taking things out of your life or putting things in, an invitation to create space for Jesus to work. I don't know what that will do for you. I don't know what disciplines work with you and your relationship with Jesus. I don't know what rest is going to look like for each one of you, but I do know that Jesus says, come to me, Create that space, I will meet you there, and I will give you rest. And so join me this week, this coming 40 days, as we create spaces for that kind of rest. Amen. Join me in prayer as we invite Jesus to do that with us. Jesus, we're here. Whether here in this building or watching online, Jesus, we want to create space for you. 
Lord, a lot of us come as wise and learned, having a lot of understanding, and we want to create space for you to teach us more. A lot of us come as weary and burdened and as children yearning to learn more from you, needing the rest that you give. And Lord, as we explore these disciplines, help us to create space. And Lord, as you have promised and as you have shown us time and time again, fill that space. Take us out of our comfort zones. Help us try new things. Help us to discover what it means to live and walk closely with you. In your name we pray. Amen.